I do think it's important to keep your hands dirty. It helps you to learn new tools, new tactics. It's not quite the same as aging gracefully, but it's easier to understand people who work for you, their jobs, if you're doing the job. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. All right, hello, and welcome to another one of these fantastic Board of Directors live streams. Literally over the last two years, I've had the pleasure to collaborate with two of my favorite friends, to be honest talk a little bit about what we were trying to focus on, on both our personal professional growth. And doing that was so much fun. Give actually had an idea that we should not just talk to ourselves about it, but share it with the world. And doing that over the last number of weeks, months, years almost now, just stage has got lots of reaction from people that really enjoyed doing it. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome my two great buddies, Melissa Perry and Gibson Biddle. So how are you doing? I'm very good today. My keyboard is mine free. Absolutely. Mine is not. <laughs> there was a dramatic entrance about two minutes ago. <laughs> exactly. Full disclosure, Melissa had a little wine accident, but she's back. Okay. And, uh, but I'm very full now, and we're good. And to be clear, it's the end of the day on the East Coast. For oh, yeah. It's 5.30 here. <laughs> I've been going yeah. all day, so it's happening yeah. right now. It's always 5.30 somewhere, as we say in our yeah. So for people who maybe haven't seen this show before... This is sort of a chance for us to sort of share with one another how we're getting on, things we're working on, interesting things that have happened to us along the way and how we're sort of evolving our thinking, just in terms of what, how we're trying to grow both personally and professionally. The model we use is a sort of fun model that Gib, if you ever spend any time with him, will tell you he's got models for all sorts of things, whether it's a product strategy or personal growth and development, but they're always fun and they're a great way to frame some helpful conversations. And the model we use for this event is called CAMP model, which was ultimately innovated and be called CAMP's model, which we'll talk a little bit about. But the idea is that there's sort of three aspects to it. CAMP is C for community. Uh, Do you enjoy working with your team, your peers, what's sort of going on in the community around you? A is for autonomy. Do you feel you have opportunity to set your own direction, plow your own path, focus on things that are sort of interesting to you? M is mastery. Are you learning? Are you improving your practice in the things that you're focused on? P being purpose. Do you feel connected to something that's helping you sort of connect to your why or make a dent in the universe? And then we added S. I think Melissa had this notion of scale. Like, are you actually getting leverage for your time to reach more people, to attack your mission more further if it is? So it's been super fun to sort of do these exercises. And last time we did the these are sort of the general scores. So we do this every six months, just check in with one another and sort of gives you a little bit of a sense of where people were at. And it's really a self-selected number. I then with most of these things, the number just helps us drive the conversation that goes with it. So first up today on this round is actually going to be Gib, which is extremely exciting. You know, Gib is going to get to share some of his thoughts and I get to ask the questions in the first round, which is always fun. But you also get to ask questions too. So you'll see in a lot of the platforms that you're on, there's a chance to comment, ask questions. We really try to answer as many of these as we go along. All right. So Gib, first of all, welcome. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Barry, this is very exciting for me. I'm in Bend, Oregon. Yesterday was my 53rd day of skiing. So I'm getting close to my goal, which will be 61 because I'll turn 61 in March, ski my age in days. Well, I love that. I love that you have that as a metric in your life. I'm extremely envious that you're so close to achieving it. I'm a real bastard. (laughs) (laughs) My kids are 27 and 25. Right. And you're not even halfway through the season probably as well. And you're already there, which is as someone who's living in Manila in the tropics and then really enjoys snowboarding, it hurts me even more to hear how many days you've had on the slope. So let's kick off a little bit then with C about community. So Last time you were quite high in community, you had nine. So where are you at now and what have been some of the aspects you think about there? Well, I just want to do a little breaking news just for context. So you guys have followed me eight years ago. I stopped working for direct deposit and both of you were super helpful as I sort of embarked on this teaching and speaking. But a few days ago, my wife announced that she's retiring 
from Bristol Myers Squibb. And on March 25th, she and I will start the Pacific Crest Trail, which is a 2,600 mile backpack trip from Mexico all the way to Canada and the California Sierras. So that's now public because Kristen announced her retirement. So that's, I've been getting ready for this. And now my life is changing to a garage full of freeze-dried food and mailing boxes to ourselves along the trail. And then hoping that our bodies hold up anyways. That's cool. I thought you were doing that earlier. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a big snow year, which just makes it hard. Right now there's 20 feet of snow near Whitney in the Southern California, near Whitney's big ski area that the LA peeps go to. Anyways, we'll go like 600 miles north and we'll skip the Sierras and then hike all the way to Bend, which is where I am right now, and then go back to the Sierras starting in August. And then the race is to go across the state of Washington by, by the time the snow falls, which by mid-October, if you're lucky. Anyways, by virtue of the fact that we're both 60, well, like it's a whatever, like we have to see some next year. That's cool. So that was the context. Now I'll answer the darn question. I was looking at our scores. I feel like I'm either I'm the easiest grader, which is probably likely, or you know, I've really enjoyed what I've been doing in the last eight years. Community, I put eight, and that's actually my lowest score. I feel super engaged with the community of product leaders all over the world, but I feel like I haven't done enough to really mechanize that. Like as a role model, Lenny Rzitzki with this ask with his Lenny's newsletter is a great role model about really building a community to engage the community. And of course, I've drafted that. I've done talks and workshops and all those paid newsletter peeps. But in my whole career, I've never been that great at the social and community aspects of the product work that we all do. Just to elaborate a little bit there, Mark, because you're very visible to people, but are you talking about the mechanisms of creating a community that you're managing yourself, that you're connecting with regularly? What are you thinking there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's largely a byproduct of the way that I most like to do my job as a teacher is through talks and workshops. So that really limits me to, it's me for an hour or two or six or eight or 12 or 16 in the audience that I have. Whereas writing, you know, you can dent further. But the next thing is I'm still very much a one-person company. You know, the reason I brought Lenny up, I think he... he he likely has some employees per se, but he yep. also has people that are very engaged that work for him and the community for free. And that's the part that I never quite took on, which would have given me even more leverage. Having said all that, you know, my goal for the last year is to work a day or a two per week, which I've been very good at. And my guess is I couldn't have had the kind of community engagement that Lenny has, because I'm confident he works five or six days a week. Autonomy, like I'm freaking 10. You should say 10 and then walk off stage. That's exactly. exactly. Mike later. I realized that really, if you know me, I experiment with multiple theories and hypotheses about vectors of my career. I didn't know eight years ago that this is what I was going to be doing. It was through a series of experiments. At some point, I realized what I was really doing was optimizing for flexibility. So, you know, on a calendar week or day, just making a decision about what I choose to do and don't choose to do or choose not to do. And like I just said, I work one to two days a week. Probably took me six or seven years to figure out how to get to that place. Yeah. But I realized for me, autonomy and flexibility are almost the same. So that was cool. I sort of... I'm curious, like, what flexibility will look like for you now? Like, when you're even thinking ahead, you're going to go on this mega hike, which, again, I think we're all envious of. What's going to be flexibility for you then? Because it feels like you might even have more of a leading to personal time and keeping connected with, you know, your product work, and which I know you enjoy massively. So what are yeah. your thoughts there? These are guesses. So... You know, I'll finish September, October, October, November. It'll be October, I guess. I think after that, you know, there'll be a lot of decompression. Kristen, my wife, she wants to just keep going, go to South America. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, that's possible. To know me is to know I love skiing, so I'd probably like to spend some time in North America next winter. On the work side, I do really like it. You know, I get energy from my talks and workshops. It helps me age gracefully, stay current. And actually, Melissa and I were both in was Oslo 
going forward, I'll say yes to the countries and events I want to go to where Kristen also wants to go. So it's kind of paid vacations. And then on my guilt list is the, the quote, damn book. I would like to do that. I mean, at some point as I go into my 60s, some legacy issues sort of creep into my thinking. So having a book that you quote, leave behind. But I think you also know I have things on my guilt list, but I don't let them beat me up. Like I continue to have a really sucky website at gibsonbittle.com. It does what I want. I mean, so saying yes, the virtual talks and workshops are really awesome. I actually did a workshop on Maven and it just occurred to me if I were to continue working, I could do a product strategy workshop every month, very much on my own schedule. They provide the tools to sort of market myself. Yeah, I yeah. love delivering the content. So it feels like a good, good pair. Having said that, I'm now on section four and teachable, yep. and I'll probably be on Reforged next year as well. And then if I were really smart or more diligent or more disciplined, I would have thought more about sort of pre-recordings. So teachable is great because it's all recorded, but I haven't done an update. My stuff on section four is all new. They'll probably find a proxy for me. While I'm on the PCT, somebody to do the live components of my product strategy workshop there. And Maven, they actually kind of want me to find a proxy too. I'm like, eh. it's not about the money for me. It's about delivering yeah. a teaching experience. That's great. Anyways, we'll see. But you know, I think the good news is when people go from full-time working on this journey of retirement towards retirement, I now wouldn't know what that looks like. And I can work a day or two a week or a day a week or three days a week, whatever strikes my fancy when I finish this next big trip. So give part of me also, it seems like in all times in your life, you're an experimenter, a learner, you know, you always go out and talk to people about it. What have you been doing to sort of learn about the next phase as you're describing it, right? When you got this time, have you been talking to anyone or are you, you just figuring out Honestly, yourself? Mark Randolph was helpful. He told me a bunch of years ago about just saying yes to talks to pay him a lot of money where he can take his wife. I've stolen that. Yeah. Melissa and I were in Oslo. I, I did a, like a four hour walk with Marty Kagan and just talking about this stuff. It was largely about the business of what we do, but he had some good insights. You know, I often struggle with pricing because I kind of feel guilty. He helped me think of a model where it's straightforward. But honestly, I, I feel like most people, once they retire, they go dead, right? I mean, we're getting, I hope not. <laughs> Well, from this world, the main thing I've learned is it's kind of similar to this model. First, oh, everybody should have tons of hobbies, okay? Because post-work, those are the things that really motivate you. And of course, I have tons. But you have to rebuild the social context, which, you know, this is a work social context, but I think we all accept that we're also friends. Yeah. You have to have a purpose, even in retirement. You have to have goals. You have to be learning new stuff. Like in the last year, I've learned a lot. And I've gone from a newbie backcountry skier to adept. I just came back from a week heli skiing in British Columbia. I'm going to do a week off the grid backcountry in two weeks. It's kind of crazy. So I'm still learning stuff. That's hardcore enough, Gib. Like for yeah. people who might not understand skiing, like that is. That's intense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm a little freaky. Then the money thing. I mean, I slowly learned to let go of my boy ego, my Boy, ego, to feel like you're creating value, you have to have a high salary. I'm knowledgeable of that, but I've kind of figured out a way to prove to myself I'm creating value that's not quite as money-focused as most. And then, yeah, it's better to make money the way we all do dollars per hour, but also have options in companies. That's really the way you would build wealth. At this point, all of our kids' educations are paid for. So we just cross our fingers on health issues. When you're doing the exercise to give yourself a best shot at that, so that's always good. All right, what about per- mastery, purpose scale? And- yeah, mastery, I feel very comfortable and confident about my talks and workshops. I mean, I've innovated like crazy, experimented like crazy, this combination of Google Slides and Slidos and two monitors and chat. And so I've learned a ton. It's really storytelling, but how can you be disciplined in storytelling and then have the discipline to keep updating your stuff? Every time you do it, make sure it's new and better and really reflecting on all of my NPS survey data. Yeah. Purpose. I, I mean, it's unbelievable to me how hard it is to be a product leader and the fact that everybody has to keep learning new skills forever. Our brains are 
frying on a pan right now as we, oh my gosh, what is AI? How does it change our thinking and our jobs going forward? And then scale, I sort of brought it up. Oh, forgive me. I, I gave nine, nine uh, for mastery and purpose and then scale. I gave it an eight. That's sort of in keeping with that, my comments about community. I haven't been really quite smart enough to get leverage from some people call it super fans. I mean, I have super fans, but I haven't really engaged them to help me do, do my job, which I think, again, Lenny, as role model, has done a great job doing that. He's also 40-ish, so I think he's willing to work five days a week, and he works his ass off, and he's smart. All the power to him. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's always interesting, right, to think like this, and would you call on, on that community to help you with some of the tasks? Have you not done it because you don't want to do it, or... Have you not done it because it feels like extra work? Could you I, work with these sort of, great things? I sort of believe that it's not quite in my skill set. That's kind of what I think. But the other thing, for instance, if you look at the legacy at Netflix, like Netflix has never done particularly well in social. You know, I can't say I did a great job with it at Chegg either. And having said that, I'm obviously highly social, but I also think I just didn't choose to focus on it that much. I wasn't that worried about operating with leverage. I mean, if I were trying to make millions or billions of dollars, I might exercise more on that front. I might have started one of these tech platforms. It's just not interesting to me as I try to work one or two days a week so I can do a lot of other stuff on the side. Yeah, no, it's great to hear the thinking. So any more surprises you want to announce that you're all now going on these amazing trips all around the world and still enjoying yourselves? Honestly, it's, my wife is a planner. She is not a procrastinator. I am a procrastinator. Like I have to wait till the anxiety builds and it's last minute. So I'll just freaking do it. So we're opposite styles. Her vision is will be, everything will be ready to go a month before the trip. And rather than say, that's just crazy talk. I'm just like, okay, I will do my best. <laughs> Can see why you stayed married a long time, Gib. Yeah. It's like 32 years. Well done. <laughs> I try to feel her anxiety and let that motivate me. So right on. In each house, we have Burlingame and Ben. We have we have twenty five year olds living in our house that sort of take care of the house a little bit. And Duncan is the one, and Ben. And every day, back has just come in, and he thinks he's like, "I feel like I'm living with a bunch of people who are planning for the end of world." <laughs> <laughs> All the freeze dried food going into the garage. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Yeah, we're like a pepper now. No, I Prumper, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, someday I'll think, talk, and write about how to age gracefully and coast into retirement. Right now, for folks, just have lots of hobbies, lots of things that interest you outside of your work. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Give us somebody to hear. All right, Melissa, you get to ask me the questions now, which is always fun. And, Alrighty. And then Gib gets to chat to you. So, Do you want to start with any general updates before we dive in? So I think for many people, they might not be aware that I now live in the Philippines in Manila, yep. celebrating one year having left San Francisco a year ago to come and live here. My wife works for the World Health Organization. That's what brought us here. And it's been an amazing experience. It's my first time living in Asia full time. Now pretty much lived in every continent apart from Africa for long periods of time, which has been super fun. It's a different culture. It's a different way of life. I only ever get to wear shorts and t-shirts. This is the only attire that I own now. I do, as I say, feel envy when Gib is talking about going skiing. I know I dream of going up to Japan to go snowboarding more, which hopefully I'll get to do more of. Yeah. But yeah, now it's been a fantastic experience for myself and my family and we're going to be here for a number of years and meeting a whole new set of people, but also feel extremely connected anyway because of all this digital fun that we've got. So it's been interesting just adapting to that working style. I do have to get up and I work a lot earlier. I start at like 6 a.m. every day, but I finish most of my work by sort of noon or one o'clock, which is pretty fascinating. And then I wake up in the evening to do all the stuff in Europe. But hey, I get to nap a lot during the day. That's kind of fun too as well. So I can't complain about that either. Cool. So what would you rate your community and why this time? Yeah, so last time I was seven, but this time I put down eight. Community is really fascinating to me because you know, I started this venture studio called Nobody Studios. And over the last year, I think this is our second year that we're really sort of operating in anger. And now more and more people are starting to join the company. And there, I think we have people now in, I think, at 17 different countries all around the world. 
it's been really good. You know, it's been really fun to like actually build a team like that, which has been fascinating, but it's really hard. Like startup life is extremely tiring. Like I get tired quite a lot, but one thing that's been great about that group as well is that people really care for each other's energy. They recognize when you have been going at it for a long time and, and they actually encourage you to like take an afternoon off or take a day off or take work off your plate. And that's actually been really sort of special, to be honest, to have a group that some of them I've never even met in person to sort of have care for one another like that. So that's been super fun. Plus just meeting all these people all over the world in different locations and somehow coming together to build some crazy stuff together. That's been pretty, pretty fun. And this is the first time you've been part of a team like this since you left ThoughtWorks, right? So like, how long has it been since you yeah. had other people to like shove things onto and like talk to? Yeah. yeah. So like I finished working, my last real job was in 2015. Yeah. I joined ThoughtWorks in 2010 and, and left in 2015. And it's a good like seven years of doing solopreneur stuff, but again, a great people like both of you and others to yeah. act as sounding boards. But yeah, it's the first time since then that I've been in a team, but which ties into the next question about autonomy though mm -hmm. as well. Because now I, last time I had to report, I have technically got a boss, which is, you know, yeah. a little bit, and two bosses. I think one is your, like our chief nobody, Mark, who's again, fantastic, a fun, a very great person to work with, but also like you've got stakeholders and shareholders and people who've invested in the business. So my autonomy is only an eight because I think if I, if I had full autonomy to get to a 10, I would be doing the Pacific coast hike along with give and enjoying things like that. But I can't do that. It was quite uncomfortable for me in the beginning to go, not to be able to make every decision and actually had to live with other people's decisions. It actually took me a while to get used to that. And it caused a lot of frustration at times because I had got into the habit of living with the consequences of my own choices. So that's very easy to do. Even if you make a bad choice and a bad consequence, you sort of wear it in the solopreneur world, fine. But getting used to decisions you disagree with and having bad consequences affect you, it stings, but that's life. I do that to other people in the company as well. I might think I'm making a great decision. It might be things that other people disagree with and it might have a bad outcome. So as much as I feel sometimes those things can be inflicted on you, you're also doing it to other people. That's been kind of another adaptation, if you will, to get, get comfortable with that again. It's interesting. That's cool, though. What about mastery? I'm giving myself a nine. I'm getting close to nearly getting to 10 on things now. Mastery and purpose are probably the two that I feel strongest about at the moment. I've got to do like a bunch of stuff that I have never done before, which is been really interesting, right? And learning new skills. So I've got to do acquisitions for companies, all the steps around that. That's been fascinating to learn how to do that. Raising funds. My God, if there's anything for all you entrepreneurs out there, you know, I just given everyone a big hug. You've got to go out and never raise capital, especially at the moment. You can do it. It's really hard, but I think it's a huge learning experience about people and how to do that. The equity crowdfunding we've done and are running at the moment is just being fascinating, like how you can actually create a crowdfunding campaign and then actually offer equity in your business to people. That's was a fascinating experience. We launched it on Republic. So go to republic.com slash nobody studios and you can own a piece of our studio if you want anyone listening. And then building systems to scale startups has been also super fascinating, like building a product development approach that can help us scale our studio. We're trying to grow our portfolio 50% year over year. So the first year, like we did three companies and we were trying to create a system for creating companies. And last year we did eight. And this year we, our plan is to try and do 12. So it's been fascinating to just learn that. But the downside and why I'm not a 10 is that I don't really get to do like day-to-day -day product work as much anymore. I sort of like, I sort of miss, you know, like I sort of like being in the team, like figuring out what thing to try or what to get, but I don't get to do that as much anymore. It's more sort of supporting the teams. I, and I'd love to hear both of your thoughts actually on something like that, because part of me misses being in the little cross-functional team and like tinkering the struggle, like it's sort of fun, but it's not my role to do that anymore. It's to help the teams with the things that they need. 
Yeah, that's very much like a hard transition, I find, for people going from like individual contributor to leadership. They just don't get to do the nitty gritty. And a lot of times they like the nitty gritty. But it's all about where do you have more impact? But yeah, I mean, it's hard. I like getting into the nitty gritty too sometimes. Other times I really don't want to deal with it. <laughs> that's like more of my personality. I'm like, I don't really care about the details, but this is cool. The thing I learned, this is when I was running product. I do think it's important to keep your hands dirty. It helps you to learn new tools, new tactics. It's not quite the same as aging gracefully, but it's easier to understand people who work for you, their jobs, if you're doing the job. And the way that often happened for me is either I needed to hire somebody or replace somebody. So there were often two, three or four months periods where I was actually the de facto product leader for one swim line. For a year, it was TV-based interface for Netflix or another year, like the hardware box to enable that. It would be like a day a week. You know, obviously it was like my night job, if you will, but I found value in, it, in that puttering. The other thing is the hardest part about the job as you get out of the doing the work the day-to-day is to help everybody understand the level of quality of the product that you're doing. And sometimes just through, as an example, and the work that you can do, you can set a standard for what that quality looks like. The way I look at it when I'm working with teams is like, if the person is capable or just needs like a little coaching, I can coach them and we can work through problems together. So that keeps me close to what they're doing things with. But then there's other cases where Gib is talking about where things are going to fall through unless you pick them up. And then you have to step in and kind of demonstrate what good looks like so people know how to follow. And that's usually when you don't have enough capable people around you to like step in and help out. So I think there's moments of that. I do agree where it's like, you don't want to go too long without doing anything. Otherwise you forget how to do things, right? You forget how to like be able to do stuff. And I think it's one of the dangers that always gets me about consulting and why I really liked doing the stuff with Insight or why I go a little deeper now with advisory stuff because I want to help put together some things so you don't get rusty. So that when it's like, well, when was the last time you put together a product strategy? I could be like last year instead of like 20 years ago. I think that's important. I don't, I think a lot of people who are like in my position or Gibbs position probably haven't done anything for 20 years. They probably haven't put together like a product strategy in 20 years. So I always try to balance my work with enough stuff where I'm actually doing it (laughs) and then advising on it, but enough with my hands in it so that I I don't forget what it's like. And I don't distance myself and unempathize with the people who are actually doing it too, which I think is a danger. I have one kind of funny story on Essentially, as the product leader, trying to set the standard for the quality of your product. So my first year at Netflix, which is like forever ago, 2005, I got 40 emails, 4-0 from Reed Hastings, the CEO. They're always labeled the same thing, minor. <laughs> when coming from the CEO, they didn't feel minor. Yeah. <laughs> never, never, never. But it was usually the launch of stuff, and he was sort of digging around, digging in the dirt. Oftentimes, it would be like the help in the FAQ typos. That first year, what was really going on is he was sort of training me for what that level of quality looked like, the degree of details that he thought was important. So that second year, I had like 10 emails, minor. The third year, I'm sure there were two. But that was his tactic for digging in the dirt just from time to time. He knew it was like, probably gave that kind of stuff two hours a month. I mean, if you think about Amazon, Bezos would do this too. I think his dad had a worse subject. They were just like, you're a freaking idiot. You know, I was with the title was of his emails. What product manager would put an email out like this? That was him in the early days. And he got kinder and gentler. Yeah, that was great advice, folks. And no, thank you for that. It's really good. You're also reminding me of something. I think I remember you said before of doing these because the technology's changed so fast. I think you said to me, do something like presentations every couple of weeks or something on topics. Oh, yeah. I used to do that. I used to call it Topic de Semaine, which is my bad French topic of the week. Okay. I was like, a what? (laughs) But it was me. I mean, this is how I got interested in doing talks, but it was me. It's like famous guy, I think Furman or something. The best way to learn something is to teach it. So every Thursday night, I would prepare a talk and then teach it the next day. It would be like how to design an A-B test, how to analyze A-B test results back then. I mean, I did it because I loved it. <laughs> I loved teaching. Clue for how I would spend my time later in my life. 
I've been trying to find people on the product thinking podcast who are doing stuff that I don't really know about so that they teach me how to do it when I interview them. So like next week, I'm interviewing my friend, Christina, who was my teaching fellow at Harvard, and she's building an AI product in startup. But she has went so deep into AI and is working with this like phenomenal co-founder who's like deep into developing. So we're talking about like what do product managers need to know about AIs and what's different about it from she built financial products and like workflow products. She worked at TripAdvisor. Like what's different now that you're doing a very heavy AI centric thing? Great stuff. I, I agree. I learned loads from these conversations as well. So that's the benefit, right? That's great. Cool. So what's your purpose? How you're in that now? Purpose is a nine, right? On a, on a roll with nines this week. I really feel like I'm doing something really very rewarding. You know, it's super special to like look at comments and things on social media where people are like, oh my God, I'm a venture investor. I never thought I would own an early stage company or I could contribute to building an early stage startup. We've investors in like 34 countries now all over the world from $100 right up to like fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 on our crowdfunding. And it just blows your mind, you know, like there's nothing more you can say when you just see people light up with the chance to sort of they're experiencing something new and hopefully we're helping facilitate that. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge purpose, you know, one of the first venture studios to offer equity crowdfunding to the world was a big goal and we've done it. And hopefully we're only getting started. You know, we have 11 companies going now and four of them are in market and it's great to see these entrepreneurs. Like last week, we just announced a new company called The Adjacent Possible. They're phenomenal people that work in intellectual property rights and patenting systems. They're based between Israel, Italy, and in Hamburg and Germany. And they're going to build an amazing product to manage all the IP in our business and to startups out there. So it just keeps blowing my mind. So I'm really high on those at the moment. Cool. And scale, last one. Yeah, and scale actually is my lowest score. One, because I feel like we're only getting started, but also like scale is internally to me. I probably am trying to share some of the things that we're doing. We do live streams every week just to share what we're doing in terms of building. It's more of a different focus for me at the moment is like trying to scale a company that has 50, 60 people in it to get it to 120 or whatever the next mm -hmm. milestone is, is much more, I guess, my focus. So it's yeah. been and hard, you know, yeah. certainly there's 30 days. And this is probably one of the things I was reflecting on my own personal thing is startups take time. You don't go for a run and trip over a stone and create a startup. These narratives are sort of, we're working on this for nearly two and a half years. Yeah. And it still feels like we're just getting started. I have to remind myself that good things take time. You started this from scratch too, right? And I think there's a, a thing with super early stage from an idea companies, right? Where the early days, it feels like they go forever, but it's actually like feels short, like you just did it. And then all of a sudden you get into like hyper growth. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, where did the time go? <laughs> like we just had 10 years packed into one. Like what happened? <laughs> That's how I feel like in this whole solopreneur thing. It takes a long time to build momentum. And then once you have it, then it's that positive surprise that Melissa said, like, what? Why does this person want me to do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, why did they call me? <laughs> you're right. I, it, takes I time. it takes so much time. It takes patience. By the way, Barry, you're much more upbeat this time than you were yeah. previous. You sounded frustrated. Yeah. yeah, I was. You know, it's a tough time, right? Startups mm -hmm. feels like you're accelerating and then you hit the brakes and you're accelerating and hit yeah. the brakes. It's not you just more like progress. And it really isn't, you know, it's the struggle. And I think maybe the thing that has really stood out is the support for one another within the company. That has really amped up, you know, so it's all right. Yeah, thank you, person who's saying I'm leading with vulnerability. Funny, because we could just see LinkedIn. You tears. I don't know what you can <laughs> The only way to lead, I've discovered, is you just got to be you because it doesn't take any energy. But thank you for giving me a shout out there. I appreciate that. All right. Why don't you give us the teeny uh, top line on your year and what your focus is today? Okay. I'm trying to remember what I even said last time. I don't know. For me, I feel like I don't have any major updates, but I probably do have updates. They just don't feel like, wow, bang. And I feel like I get very biased towards, I have no nothing to tell anybody because everything's kind of just going the way it was last time. But I guess the biggest update is this will be my last semester at Harvard. Decided to step back. We had talked about this a little bit before, but I'm excited about it. I just found that my life was happening more in 
South Carolina. I didn't really want to be in Boston. So I chose to step back and everybody was very cool with it. They're extremely supportive, but I'm excited because that means that I don't have to spend my life in Boston. <laughs> it just wasn't for me right now where I'm at at this moment. That's kind of my my biggest, but I am finishing out this semester with a bunch of independent projects with some really great students and helping out wherever I can doing some product management workshops around the place. So that's kind of where I'm at going forward, concentrating on basically Product Institute, CPO Accelerator, swimming like normal. I found some really good, I guess like if we're talking about purpose part, but like some good purpose and connecting people with good opportunities that I've known and I've been able to, now that I've been like known a bunch of people, worked with a bunch of people along the way, I've been able to be like, hey, they're hiring like a CPO over there. Like you should talk to them. And it's worked out really well in many cases. And just being able to do that for people makes me feel really good. (laughs) So I've been getting really excited about that. And I don't really want to be a recruiter or anything, but I've just been happy to like connect people and have it work out well or talk to people about like why things haven't worked out in their situations before and what they should be changing. So I've been doing some of that. Just I don't do coaching, but I've just been doing it for the people that I know. What am I focusing on now? One of my big things is I'm trying to do an advanced course on Product Institute. So that's going to be my big focus this year is to get. It's taken me a very long time to figure out how I would teach something. And I feel like I finally got to what I would do for that advanced course. So that's where pretty much focusing for this year after Harvard is over. Treat me like I'm stupid. Do you have employees these days? Or are you? I have a solopreneur. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a bunch of freelancers. So nobody's officially an employee and all of them work for other companies as well. But we have a small team that supports Product Institute. And I've got basically a director of operations who does all of our sales and all the ops of getting people onboarded. Got a developer. We're actually rebuilding our whole site off of Teachable right now because it just does not work for us and it's been worse and worse. So he's working on that. We're also trying to figure out if we can utilize some GPT-3 stuff to help with digesting basically all the stuff I've talked about in the podcast and putting it into summarized areas so that I can write scripts easier for all of our videos. So we're fiddling with that. I went really down a rabbit hole of trying to do that yesterday. And I was like, man, my development skills are rusty. It's been fun to dive into it, just try to figure out like, what could I use this for that might help leverage? And then we've got our video editor. He is like our graphic designer, video editor. He's about two years out of college, but where he's picking up some more UX stuff. So I'm like coaching him into UX things and helping him get familiar with all that stuff. So he's been like, man, I learned so much here, which is cool. So that's our like small team. And then we have a couple coaches for Product Institute too. Like I I work with Denise very heavily. We're writing our book together. That's the other thing. Get the Product Ops book done this year. Is that book with Pendo? I can't remember. No, no, no. It's just ours. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Pendo is one of the case studies in there though. Got it. Okay. So what's your number on community? I had a six last time. I don't think it's really changed. I think it's exactly (laughs) where it said. I don't know. Maybe I'd give it a seven. I bump it up a little bit because I do feel like I've been having a lot better conversations with the people in CPO Accelerator. I've been making a lot more connections that way. I've been having like a lot deeper conversations with the mentors in it too. It's a little bit more, but I think the last time I was here, I talked about really wanting to go out and go to different countries (laughs) and visit people like we did in Oslo. And that was great. I just want to see people in person again. So I'm getting really like antsy just working from home. Good. good. So, and you're a great role model, by the way, on doing the the talks and workshops in foreign countries because Melissa stays there for a freaking week, which is awesome. I do. I go see everything. I'm like, if I'm going to come here for the first and she time. she makes reservations for dinner, which yeah. I'm not included in. I dragged Gib to like the best restaurant. Drag. It was awesome. It was I cool. still have no idea how much we paid. No, it was a lot. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I didn't bother converting it. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay. The key is meeting people in person. Yeah. I just want to do more of that. I just want to kind of get out of my bubble and go see everybody again. And I love the hallway and virtual talks are one thing, but I miss the hallway conversations. I miss like what we did in Oslo where we grabbed coffee with Marty. I like went to the the party at night and I talked to a bunch of random people all over the party and just was like, what's product management like in Oslo? Like, tell me about it. And I just, I love that. Like, I just like hearing about what people are working on and doing stuff like that. So I miss that a lot. I'm going to come back to Oslo in a minute. So Melissa and I, we've got a lot of freedom, a lot of autonomy. So what was your number, Melissa, for autonomy? I had eight last time. I'd probably put nine since I am going to be a little more flexible on it. I feel like it's not quite a 10 because I do have a team that I have to keep going from product institute perspective, but at the same time, I'm leading it. It goes whichever direction I wanted to go in. 
and the team's great. And it's not like I have to handhold them or anything like that. Everybody's very confident. So that's great. For the last however long, I've been very tied to specific locations and I've been very tied to specific days that I've been working. And I pushed myself really hard to be like locked down and loaded all the time. So like mm-hmm. in 2018 and 17, like I was in Boston every day at Athena Health. Mm-hmm. No flexibility there, right? I came home and then when I started working with Insight, it was like, you should be in the city because we need you for meetings. And then I also didn't want to leave the city. So I was like, I have to be in New York. Then COVID happened, got locked down. Then I came down here and I really wanted to be in South Carolina, which was great. Didn't want yeah. to be in Boston, but I had to be in Boston. So like these types of things. Now I'm kind of, how am I going to like spend a month in Europe and just work remotely? And I said that for the last eight, nine years and have never done it. So I'm like, I want to go different places, do those different things. So I'm excited that I'm finally going to have the chance to really do that. Whether I pull the trigger on it or not, we'll see. But I do have plans to go to my 10-year Tech Peaks reunion with all the guys in Italy that I was in that program with. So I'm excited to like get out there and try to do my own thing for a while, shake it up. And your skills, your your degree, you feel mastery in the work that you do? Mastery, I had seven last time. I'm going to keep it with a seven. I don't know what it is. So I talked to Josh Seiden about this a couple weeks ago and it like really put it in perspective where he's like, I feel like I finished one phase of my career and now I'm starting on a second phase of my career. That really resonated with me where I was like, I've done this whole consulting thing for a very long time and I've done yep. the whole teaching thing and the coaching thing and the speaking thing. And it feels like some of it still gives me like a lot of energy. And then there's parts of it where I'm like, I've done this a million times. What's new? Yeah. What's shaking it up? What's new? So I feel like from a mastered perspective, yeah, I feel mastered in those areas. But from an excitement perspective and what am I learning, I still don't have a ton to put on that list. And that's what gets me where I'm like, what else can I master now? Like, what can I go do? So if it was like, do you feel like you mastered what you're doing? Like, I'd give it a 10. But from a, do I feel like, I feel like we should change that to mastery. But in learning, I miss learning. And that's what's driven me my whole life is like, this is cool. I don't know what that is. And every single thing I've ever done in my life, I felt like I gained so much knowledge. And right now I'm doing the same things I've been doing for a very long time. So there's not a lot of that in there. We could tease it out. Like you could be amazing at what you do, but but feel mastery is only a five because you're not learning new skills. Yeah. And that's kind of where it's at. And somebody actually asked me on the phone today because I was I'm giving a talk at the company. They're like, do you feel like every situation you've already seen before and it bores you? And I'm like, it doesn't bore me, but I do feel like most things that people hit me with, I know how it ends up, like what the answer is. The things that I get excited about and why like the, you know, we talked about board positions, still looking for like another one, but I'm doing advisory with Lapster right now. The board position, we're forced to end it. I'm also advising Dragon Boat. The things that make me excited about that is learning about domains that I don't know a lot about. And mm-hmm. I can tell you how to create a product strategy, but the way their product strategies end up are going to be very different than another company's. And that to me is interesting where I'm like, cool. I like people's ideas too, where I'm like, such a good idea. I'm not like an ideas person. I'm not the startup founder, visionary ideas person. I like other people's ideas. I'm like, that's cool. I'm so happy you came up with that. Now let's Mm -hmm. throw it. But that's where I feel like my learning has been concentrated recently is in those domains, but I haven't had anything... I've done the ones I've done. We got it up to a point, but now I'm, I'm looking for something juicy to sink into to like another domain I don't know about at all. Okay. Purpose, your ability to it, help dent the universe. How's that going? I still think it's a nine. Like I said, right. I feel really awesome. a little better about connecting people with great opportunities and doing that. How do I do that on a larger scale? I'm looking at different solutions for that. I had once reached out to people and been like, hey, do you have any job openings? I've got a bunch of leaders looking and everybody came back. So I'm, I'm trying this program called Palette that Lenny does as well. It's interesting. It's like you can curate the jobs that resonate with the people that you would bring to the Palette so you can connect people with opportunities. So that's how I'm going to try to like bring that together and try to do it at scale. We'll see how it works. It's going to be an experiment because I've never done it before. But again, it's like I don't want to get into recruiting. That's not my idea. But everybody sends me job postings every day. And I would love to pass it on. I just don't have like a means of being able to go through and be like, this person's great for it unless I know somebody off the bat. So trying to figure out how to put that together. I was listening to you. You know, you get energized by helping to connect product leaders with great opportunities. Yeah. I was just thinking about Teresa Torres. She's got a metric very much focused on 
how many people and companies does she bring into her system of discovery? Mm -hmm. Well, she focuses more on that on, than money, and the money follows because of it. Yeah, I like that. I you know, gonna... just think, because your eyes lit up when you talked about connecting these product leaders, helping them to find that great opportunity where they get to dent the universe. I mean, I, I feel like part of all of what we're doing is we're helping other product leaders to dent the universe. Yeah. How do you measure that? I kind of like that idea of that metric, thinking about it. This is why I teach. It's like the more I can help people do this job better. Yeah. The more I set them up for success in the long run, the more I set up the companies for success. Like to me, it all snowballs. And that's why I teach. I like teaching, but I like the impact that teaching gives. Well, I think that, I mean, a couple other things. I can feel the sigh of relief when you stop teaching at Harvard. Yeah. And then you're very tied to geography. You love being in, are you in North or South Carolina? I'm in South Carolina right now. South Carolina. You know, you love going to Norway for a week or yeah. Portugal for a month. So keep structuring your work around those things. That's what I would like to do. So I've been yeah. getting like slightly frustrated because like a lot of conferences, if you have a conference and you do pay speakers, please reach out to me because I will travel Yeah, so anywhere cool. So I'll put that out there. But there are a lot of conferences that are finally coming back online, but it is still pay to get here type things and, and we don't pay speakers. And it is part of my job. So I do have to make sure that if I'm going to go across the world to give a talk, and especially if that company is making money, I help community events out. If I'm in the area, I'll go do a community thing. But if you're going to make a million dollars off your conference and you don't want to pay me, that's where I draw my lens. I've been getting a lot of outreach and I got really excited about it, but I keep getting the, we don't pay any speakers thing. Well, I cracked that code. If you recall, I, some years I've done a hundred talks or workshops. Yeah, I remember. Much. Do not do that. You'll yeah. have real problems with your voice. Drink a lot of water. But last year I did 40 things uh -huh. and only three were freed. Free. Yeah. Yep. I work great. That's what I typically do too. And when I was starting out and first started speaking, it was very much like if you paid for me to go somewhere cool, I would speak. And I grew the name. But at this point in my career, it's like I have to do it for a fee, which also helps slim down the opportunities. But we're still yeah. in the post-COVID world. Where well, if you ever need a pep talk on this, talk to Near Isle. He's a okay. real shark. Okay. He reminds me, he hasn't paid for all of his kids' college, et cetera, yeah. which you know, I have. And then more grounded, that Marty Kagan and I had that four-hour conversation yeah, Marty, I talked about, about was too, pricing. Yeah. He was super helpful to me and yeah. very specific, basically convincing me I work for dollars per hour when I'm presenting. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I'm sure that's a high number. I get that. And I throw it out there. It's just that a lot of people don't want to pay it. So, Well, that's where the patience and momentum comes. And right now I'm like, so I'm like feeling frustrated because of that. But I'm also... Never did this before because I worked myself to death for the longest time. I never just even just went on my own. And that's what I'm really making a push to do is like just go where I want to go this year, work remotely from there. And if I happen to be close to a place where I can give a talk and I'll do, do that. It. But I'm just trying to think about what I want to do first rather than let I always made it where the conferences led me. So this time I want to go where I want to go. So that's I used cool. to do the same thing. I used to do product tank talks wherever I happen to be. Yeah. Exactly. And it was great because meeting those people creates the connection for you in person. Yeah, fun. And then you get to hang out with people while you're there, which right. is cool. So, so I always enjoyed going. And that's, if it's on your agenda, that's okay to do for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's on your list, Melissa? Where are the places you want to go? Uh, I'd love to go to Lisbon again. I do have a lot of friends in Lisbon, so I'd like to go visit them. I want to go back to London. So my big thing too is I want to go see friends I haven't seen since before COVID. So London... Scotland's high on my list, Lisbon, and then I'm going to Italy in August, but would always spend more time in Italy if I have to. <laughs> Spain nice, yeah. would be great too. I'd love to go to Spain. That's another thing. I'm trying to translate Escaping the Build Trap into Spanish. I got my rates back from O'Reilly to do that. So that is also happening right now. Cool. Hey, uh, Jose wants to know what restaurant we went to in Oslo. Ooh, Mayamo. Yeah, I wasn't sure I could say it. Yeah, Mayamo. Yeah. Great. Amazing. That's great. At the very uh, low-key entrance, right? Oh, yeah. The entrance, we were like, is this it? <laughs> it's got a little tiny plaque this big that says it. It's like three-star Michelin restaurant. Barry, you want to bring things home for us? Yeah. So first of all, one of the most important things of doing all this is getting feedback. So the whole point of sharing, hopefully, our own stories with people is in a way to like encourage folks that 
everybody has problems. We try to talk about them in the open too, and hopefully they inspire and give you a little bit of help. This was one, again, one of the ultimate hacks that uh, Gib the experimenter figured out that the best way to actually get feedback when you're even doing a talk people out there, and I've experienced this for myself, the best way is to actually create a QR code so people can scan it with their phones. So you may have seen Gib take out his phone there. And one of the things I've had to practice better at is asking people to please give us feedback. If you actually go give Survey Monkey, he's probably got 7,458 Survey Monkeys from every single talk he's ever given. 1,200. And, oh, sorry, 1,200. There you go. Thank you. So please, please, please give us feedback. It really encourages us to keep doing this and sharing it, but also it helps us tweak little things. So one small tweak from this session has been to actually put the camp model up and show you our scores. So thank you very much for doing that. So I think really for everybody, is there one small thing then I think we're all going to try and focus on between now and the next six months, maybe when we get back together again, what's going to be something that maybe a small action based on what we've all heard from each other today that one of us want to go and try? I'll throw it to you first, Gib. What's one Mine thing? Mine is simple. I am going to be disciplined in stopping work. So I got to do all the important things as prep for a seven-month backpack trip or my wife's going to kill me. So, you know, I've been saying no a lot. I mean, I will have thoughts and ideas as I walk forever. And then what we do in November and December is a future problem, so I'm not going to try to solve it. Great. Well, I would really encourage you, seven months walking, having not done what you should have done before the trip, that's a lot of time to talk about what you didn't do. So I will encourage you, get that one done. All right, Melissa. What about you? What would it be to you? Uh, I'm going to finish my book. Nice. How are we doing with that? We're so close to the rough draft being done, but I think we're just both like so over it. <laughs> we need to, I know for me, like I need to just sit down and crank and like, that's my big thing. So I got to focus, like clear my calendar and do that. But I've got flights coming up next week. I'm going to go visit my friends in LA and that's where I do my best work writing. So. All right. Sounds good. And I am going to take the advice of digging in the dirt. I'm going to try and find some more time to get into, as you're both saying, encouraging me to do, get close to the teams and make sure I keep doing that. So right on. All right, folks. Well, thank you. Make sure you scan the QR code, give us some feedback, let us know what helped you, what inspired you, what you might want to hear more of in the future. It really helps us, you know, make this more rewarding for ourselves, but hopefully anyone who's tuning in. Thank you. We will see you in the next installment in six months' time. So have fun out there and remember to say hello and reach out if you want to at any time. Take it easy.